If you've been on Clubhouse, then you know about dropping gems, which is what we're about to do on this episode. But the gems that we're going to drop are the seven gems of intercultural creativity. Yes. So if you want to know how and why to unleash your creative selves, then this episode is for you. Janine is incredibly intelligent and passionate about this topic, and you will definitely leave with a new perspective on both diversity and creativity. Welcome to the Tech Diva Success Podcast. This is a short weekly series that gives you tools, processes, and best practices to fuel success for women in tech with a diverse set of guests from all walks of life sharing their success secrets. I'm your host, tech diva, Nicole Scheffler, and I'm on a mission to spark success by leading and serving. That is why I'm serving up this series to help women make a big impact in a male-dominated field. We hope you could take away at least one best practice that you can take action on that will make you a little bit better. Check out our full collection online at techdivasuccess.com and subscribe to support. On with the show. We are taking our mission to support women in tech one step further with the future release of a book called One Habit to Spark the Tech Diva Revolution. And we are looking for authors just like you to join us that share our mission so that you can share your habits with women in technology. Just like our podcast, we're open to all authors and genders and backgrounds as long as you could speak to the tech divas. Together, we can do more. So hop over and visit onehabit.com slash tech diva for all the book information, or reach out to us on one of our social platforms. All right, Tech Divas, welcome back to another great episode of Tech Diva Success Podcast. And we have the joy of being visited today by the 2019 LA Lakers businesswoman and the 2015 California Charter Teacher of the Year, Janine. She's a thought leader and creator of a concept called intercultural creativity, which she's going to talk about today. She's the founder and chief creative officer of Cafe Strategies. That's C-A-F-F-E. And she trains executives and employees on how to create sustainable equity. We're all about that as tech divas and inclusion strategies as well, while unleashing their innovative thinking about themselves and their business. And that's where her seven gems come in. It's her framework. Uh, she's going to share some of that with us today. And her first book is actually called From Debt to Destiny, Creating Financial Freedom from the Inside Out. So she has a wide variety of skills and lessons today that she's going to bring to us that will help make us 1% better, 10% better, 50% better, all the percent better for tech divas to thrive. So welcome to the show, Janine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we all know you have some gems for sure for us. But we, we've seen a lot of change over the pandemic. Everything's gone faster. And with the digital acceleration is the need to have more innovation, which goes back to the need of having more diversity. So I don't know if that's a good place for you to start. Yes, especially with just defining the word. You know, the word creativity, first of all, half of the population thinks they're not creative because they're not artistic. So I keep hearing, oh, I can't sing well, I can't draw well. And it's like, no, creativity is so much more than that. So what does it look like to be creative? And then as I was doing my workshops and trainings and coaching, I realized a lot of people, we could work on the skill. Creativity is a skill of having new ideas and of value, but it won't work if you're in a culture or in an environment that is not conducive to creative thinking. 
there's pushback against the status quo, it's toxic, you can't speak up, there's no psychological safety going on. So that's the term and that's the birthing basically of intercultural creativity. And another thing is intercultural, people think culture is only ethnicity or nationality, but when you think of culture, culture is just a group of people with different, you know, with beliefs and values. You know, you can have a soccer mom culture, a tech culture, right? Just different phrasing and speak that only like tech folks know. And so how do you look at the skills of building cultural competence, your ability to see people, see complexity and adapt in different cultural groups and then create. And so I realized that the skills to build cultural competence is the same skills to build creative thinking. So why not bring them together? That is a beautiful merging of those. So tell us more. I mean, that's what we want. You've said a lot of key things there. Psychological safety. Anytime I hear that, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. It is the key to creativity. And like you said, the key to creating these cultures as well. So do you want to double click into that some more to be tech language about it? Sure. <laughs> double clicking. And that's the thing is my book that I'm coming out, The Seven Gems of Intercultural Creativity. I even talk about language and how language can lead creative production and what language does to build concepts in your brain and how masculine and feminine words and different types of language can produce, you know, basically different types of ideas. So the seven gems of intercultural creativity is an alignment with basically what Abraham Lincoln said about the Emancipation Proclamation. He said, if I'm known for anything, it'll be for this and my whole soul is, is in it. And I feel the same way about intercultural creativity, not that I'm freeing a whole group of people, but I am freeing people up to be their creative selves with one another with different lived backgrounds. And so the seven gems, number one, creative growth mindset. It's based off of the work of Carol Dweck, but adding creativity in there. So people who understand that creative thinking and intercultural competence are developmental skills that can be worked on in advance. That's the first step. If you don't think you can be more creative, then your brain's just going to shut down, right? And number two is the empathetic way, having an open mind and open heart. And empathy, that word has gained some steam within the last five, 10 years in the business world. Us people who work with children already know the importance of empathy and learning and emotion and how people, how the brain takes in information. But I'm glad the business world is taking heed because leadership is going to have to understand what part does empathy play in their ability to lead and, and adapt. And the third one is cultural observation. Cultural observation is so important because as data, as you know, the way we our creative is we have to interact with different data and recombine the data. So if you're not observant with what you're doing, with what you're around, if you know you have your phone in front of your uh, face for the whole time, then you have no data to interact with. And so how do you be more observant of your environmental surroundings? But then how do you transfer those same skills to be more observant with other people from different lived backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences? So that's connected. And be more observant about yourself, right? And understand where you're coming from. And the fourth one, cultural curiosity. So I just interviewed someone on my podcast named Dr. Allison Hoistmeyer, who is like a PhD in curiosity out of USC. And she talked about workplace curiosity. And I tell people if creativity is the driver of, uh, of innovation, curiosity is a driver of creativity. So what does it like to what does it look like to have intellectual curiosity about the tech world to be able to use your imagination to see and 
invent what no one else sees yet. And um, there's a lot of work to be done, but you can actually develop this skill. The next gem, the fifth gem is perspective shifting. I just interviewed someone named by the name of Dr. Michael Platt, who looked at how leaders need to work on the skill to perspective shift, you know, and to see things from multiple points of view. And actually, when you go higher in leadership, whether it's in your startup and or whether it's in a tech company, you lose the ability to perspective shift just because you don't have to. People are shifting their perspective to you. You don't really exercise that ability to perspective shift. So what does it look like to hone in on that skill and make sure it stays strong even as you get more advanced positions? The sixth one out of seven is authentic adaptation. And the skill and the ability to adapt. I talk about two types of that adaptation, crisis adaptation and cultural adaptation. So how do you adapt in, in a crisis, which we all had to do last year, right? But how do you adapt in different cultural situations? Can you flow through different um, scenarios and through different groups? And the last one I think we all want to be at is being the bridge, being a cultural connector. Malcolm Gladwell talks about those people who are connectors, they're on the borders of different fields so they can connect people, the, your artists to your engineers, to your tech people, to your writers. And they're the, the connectors, but they also have to have the skills to go throughout different cult cultures. So what does that look like and how do we prepare ourselves to be interculturally creative? Well, let's take a look at some of those because I love all of these. Of course, everyone needs to be going to get your book. So we'll make sure we launch that when it goes live through our channels so that we can support you, because these are all critical things to what you're trying to do of innovation and creativity in the workplace, but even more important to our mission as women in tech, because all of these things lead to places where we can exercise our authentic selves and we can come with those creative ideas with that psychological safety, no judgment, uh, open ideas, being not afraid to fail. I know I'm an idea person, so I put a lot of ideas out there. That means some were not going to be successful. So you can't get hurt if your creative idea isn't taken because you're in a safe place of saying this may work, this may not work. Let's talk about empathy for a minute. Your second gem. What do you think people can do, tech divas, to be more empathetic? We have that nature in us, but what are some ways that we can apply empathy in the workplace? Well, we are born with it and different people have different levels of it. You heard of people who are empaths, right? And they just like, feel everyone. And I, I used to hate the fact that I would cry at commercials growing up. Like, why am I so sen sensitive? Now it's actually a benefit <laughs> as opposed to a liability. So the first thing is to be aware. The other thing is you get to be more empathetic once you take the risk to reach out and connect. And I have an arts background, even though I say creativity isn't only artistry, I say artistry can strengthen your ability to be more creative in non-arts fields, in technology, in business, in math, in entrepreneurship. Some of your top Nobel Prize winners in science have an arts background because the music, it communicates an emotion, right? The writing, the, the, the poems, they communicate an emotion without using words or, you know, um, and poems do and just different types of communication. So when we strip the arts away from our, our kids, we strip away avenues for them to work on their empathy. Another thing that adults can do, number one, is to go get an arts, you know, experience, but we could just 
like I said before, connect. You can connect in multiple ways. You can connect through novels. I just spoke to a person named Hang Black, and she just wrote a book about her immigrant experience, about leaving Vietnam, you know, two days before Saigon fell and getting on a boat and being thrown onto a larger boat to get over here. And the experience that her family had in the late 70s and 80s of growing up um, with that experience. So I've never had that experience. So for me to be more empathetic to her, to read her book, it's almost like I'm sitting down with her, you know, um, side by side, hearing her, her story. And so really opening your library and understanding that there's different ways for people to communicate their lived experience to you in addition to face-to-face speech. Yeah, Hang is amazing. We did interview her. She really has blazed a trail for many of us. And I love how she does come with her authentic self, for example. Now, people don't always associate technology, especially certain roles, programming and building a network (laughs) with creativity. What are some ways, do you have like an exercise or a, a favorite way that we could start to connect the dots between creativity and a profession that is very bits and bytes, zeros and ones? You know, because the outlook or the way it's seen doesn't look very creative means we need it even more, correct? I interviewed a neuroscience doctor on my podcast. It's not yet published, but Dr. Moran Steph, and he said, fictional science, right? Science fiction is science just, you know, years before. When you look at the shows of Star Trek, you know, in the 70s, Jean-Luc Picard had an iPad in the 70s. You know, there's actual pictures of them. So science fiction is just Gene Roddenberry and these other producers, these other writers using their, here's the kicker for your, your crew, imagination. When we hear that word, we think about children. Oh, they're using their imagination, but it is even more critical for adults. And it's even more critical for people in the tech field and in the science field, because you have to imagine uses for the technology that is growing every day. You have to imagine uses that are ethical for the AI, for the machine learning, and for the robotics, and the VR, and AR. And you have to imagine things that aren't even invented yet. If you can't produce it in your mind, it's very difficult to produce it in your hand. And so every great idea starts in the mind. And so to do imagination training, I think people are surprised to hear that you could be trained in imaginative thinking, right? And it is one of the 13 uh, thinking tools by Dr. Ruth Burstein, which is a great book. But I have my 16 thinking tools, my, my, my 16 diamond tools of highly creative thinkers. And imagination is one of those tools because if it doesn't start in your imagination, it won't get to us in the field. I agree. So the tech divas out there, you can challenge your team to be more imaginative. You can get a hold of Janine. She could help you. (laughs) Of course, that's the easy one. We usually save it till the end, but you know, I'm sure you can engage with teams around all of these things, but that's probably one I know that you can bring things to the table. And as leaders, giving that space for imaginative play. And what I took away from what you said is you were like, hey, if we can dream it and we can imagine an iPad or, you know, taking our consciousness and putting it into a robot or whatever we can imagine, we can do that in the future. And that's what we're seeing, even in that cheesy example I just said about putting your consciousness into a robot. Those are real technologies people are developing today. What I take away from that is that that's how it is for the potential we have, our human potential, our career potential, our life experience. If you can dream that you can be something, you can do it. So I just wanted to take away that inspirational analogy of 
yes, if we could dream it and do it in the technology space, it's true, but also don't let that be a limiting belief to imagining your potential. I will jump in really quick because you did ask for something like things that they can do now. Number one is people say that they don't have enough time to imagine. So do you give your people a time to think? They call it, you know, heads down versus heads up. The technical term or the neuroscience term is your focus network. You know, when you're doing emails and bills and you're focused on a task versus your innovative network. And that's when your brain is basically daydreaming. Do you give enough time for your people to daydream? My son is three and I stopped, uh, you know, like saying, you know, Sean, Sean, come, 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 come back, back to me because I stopped his innovative network from really getting traction because he's in his own world. That means he's sitting with his own thoughts. He's daydreaming. He is working within himself. And that's why people are disconnected. Most of them, unless there's trauma or some, something going on, but for my son, there's, there, there's not. But from a leadership perspective, do you actually work into the schedule daydreaming time because then we construe it as oh they're not working or they're being lazy if you know that they're daydreaming they're thinking of your next product or your next usage for this technology yes and that's part of unlocking potential when you're building solutions for your customers if we could dream about what they could do with it then you can back into why they need to purchase av or invest in these solutions all right another one that caught my eye was gem five on perspective shifting i am constantly loving this gem because it's so important. This happened today. You're giving me a draft of a letter you're sending an executive. So read it like an executive. Get into their head. And I think that's key in so many areas. It's key for women in tech and reversing it. How would you feel if that was a comment made against you? But I think it's even bigger to the social justice problems we have, which is not the scope of the show, but that's how powerful perspective shifting is. And I love that, Jim. But to put it in the scope of women in tech, how do you challenge people to step into that other perspective, to put on that view of uh, someone else? So this is a critical one. I'm so glad it, it became highlighted to you. I just want you to understand that this gem sits on the other gem, right? So it's difficult to be a great perspective shifter if you're not curious about the other person's perspective, if you're not observant about your own experience and other experiences, and if you're not empathetic and have an open mind. So we be clear about that. Another thing about perspective shifting is just like when you watch a child, you know, and my research uh, comes from many different ways, but it does come from watching a three-year-old child just interact with his environment. But when he gets a new toy, it's not just, oh, let's hear, let's play with the toy, but he's looking at it from all different angles. So how can you metaphorically do that in your situation as well? And so I like your example about a letter that you're drafting to leadership, you know, an executive leader. Like, what does that look like? And don't just look at how he or she or the person would construe it, but what are some of the forces that they're dealing with concurrent, you know, to, to leading you as well? What are some of the concerns that they may have? Because they have a bird's eye view of the organization. You just have your one particular task. So keeping that in, in, in mind, um, and another thing is you're able to better perspective shift when you're empathetic, but also when you have the knowledge. So doing a little background work, you have to do the work of understanding where their lived experience is coming from. And I have this concept called the diversity diamond, where it's a beautiful diamond with all of, not all of them, but a lot of the demographics and psychographics, don't forget that, but the demographics of 
the four that we normally think about, you know, your ethnicity, your nationality, your, your gender, there's like four that always come to mind, but there's so many more that are your cultural lenses that are coloring the way you see the world. And I just did a workshop. So I just sent the diversity diamond out and this morning and I was like, oh, I never thought about my fill in the blank, you know, my education level, my, um, where I grew up or um, my affiliation to, to, to this or my position in the organization. There's so many other things that are coloring the way you see the world to perspective shift for yourself, to know where you are, and then that'll better enable you to perspective shift to other people. Because if you have, have no clue where you're shifting from, it's difficult to perspective shift. So understanding who you are, what your experience is, is and then shifting to the other person. Yes. And that was a great call out, how the gems layer on each other. Obviously, they're all great. And people are going to be looking at, you know, how they can really apply these. I'm sure wheels are already turning in their imagination of how they could take this and make their work lives better, their career better, their teams better. But we only have so much time with you. And if they want to dig in, they're going to get to you. But before we leave, what is like one powerful takeaway you have for Tech Divas? If they were to take one action, if they were to really take one thing away from this podcast, what would be the most important one thing you would want them to know? The uniqueness of you. You know, we went through systems and I spent my first part of my career in the education system. I was an ed educator. So I, I know for the majority of your audience what they went through. And a lot of it is conforming, you know, do this, get a high score on the SAT, ACT, get into a decent university and then fill this role. And now people are starting to understand, wait, we need to accentuate and to celebrate the uniqueness of your lived experience. Just like how a snowflake, every snowflake has a different design because the route to from the sky to the ground is different for every single snowflake. Well, the same is the same for you. What is your unique perspective that you're bringing to your startup, your organization? And are you in a place that allows you to share your unique perspective? Because there's where the invention, the technology, the it factor will be for us to move this nation and this world forward. And that could be a consideration as to where people build their careers. Are you at a company that allows you to be your unique self? And thinking about that in addition to pay and salary, because those are the things that are going to unlock your potential and what you can provide to the company. So totally amazing. You could tell your teaching skills and this important gem, these gems, these important gems you have are just so awesome. And I am just honored to have you on the show. I know people want to connect with you after this because they want to grab your book when it's out. They might want to bring you on to do some team building. There's lots that you offer. So where is the best place they can connect and what else should they know? Awesome. So we do have uh, trainings, workshops, practicums in perspective shifting and DEI work like bias and how all these elements can add to your creative thinking when they're managed and they're um, properly, you know, um, addressed. And so they can find me at Cafe Strategies, D-A-F-F-E Strategies stands for Creative Advancement for Financial Empowerment, Cafe Strategies. And they can find me there. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So if they're looking for creative ideas or different ways of looking at different concepts, they can follow me on my page, Janine Letford. And I also have um, Cafe Strategies on all of the platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well. Great. And tell us real quickly about your podcast. So if people want to listen to that. Sure. I am 
just using my podcast to get some great content out. So that is called Create and Grow Rich. We've had Dr. Michael Platt, one of the top neuroscientists, the top curiosity doctor, Dr. Allison, and fingers crossed, we're looking to have Dr. Timothy Clark, the author of The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. Great. We're here to raise each other up. There's too often that we see people competing for mindshare. And you know what? The more you know, the more you grow. So we're always here to provide more resources for tech divas and allies to get better because these gems that you've laid out today can help get 1% better and so much more because it is the foundational things you need to create powerful, enjoyable life and career moments. So I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing, obviously for being on the show, but the show is only one microphone to a voice that you have so carefully curated, designed, and intentionally created these gems. So I really am celebrating your work and just want to thank you for everything you're doing. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show as well. Well, I had a great time sharing this and thank you for opening your platform for such an important message. Before we go, don't forget that we're launching a book and we're looking for authors that can join us in this journey to inspire women in tech by sharing your habit. So send us a message on social or get that information at onehabit.com slash tech diva. Thank you again, tech divas and allies for tuning in and investing in yourself. We really hope this episode sparked something in you that you can use to manifest more success in your life and your career. Again, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube and give us some social love on Twitter, Facebook, or Insta by simply searching Tech Diva Success. We hope this episode was fire for you.